0: Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio.
1: And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Nori back with Dr. Jeffrey Rudiger, His book, Cured, his website is linked up at coasttocoastam.com. It's his name with Dr. D.R. in front of it, but it's all linked up for you at coasttocoastam.com. Jeffrey, these individuals, these hundred people who miraculously got cured, were they religious or spiritual?
0: Um, not all of them. Uh it's it not, some were spiritual, some were religious, some were not. It's quite a smattering across the board in terms of all of that.
1: Were they all told, there's really nothing we can do for you other than, you know, chop you up and give you conventional chemo and radiation and everything else?
0: Yeah. I mean, these are cases of pancreatic carcinoma, um, glioblastoma multiform, which is a really awful form of brain cancer, um, ankylosing spondylitis, yeah. which is an autoimmune disease. Uh, that was Juniper. Uh, there was end-stage lupus, with lupus in the brain, in the kidneys, in the liver, in the heart. That was oh my Jan. Um, let's see, who. what other, we had Dr. Patricia uh, Kane. She was a physician diagnosed by biopsy with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, where your lungs essentially turned to cardboard and you can't exchange oxygen any longer, and you die. Uh, so it was a wide range of cases uh, with a wide range of people and religious commitments.
1: And I, and I have to assume they did not simply just throw in the towel, did they?
0: No. Um, now, uh, again, it's fascinating when the specter of death is facing you down, how people respond. I've seen uh, people be diagnosed with um, an, a fatal disease, and some people will just curl up and die. Other people, it's, they expect to die, but it's like the diagnosis liberates something in them, and it's been fascinating to me to see how a person will, for example, uh, decide that, well, I don't have to be the doctor that my parents wanted me to be any longer, or I don't have to do this. It's one of the most common things that people have said to me over the years is, it took an illness for them to wake up and realize they didn't need to be taking care of everyone else any longer, or they didn't need to re- react to the perceived expectations of others any longer, and they, for the first time in their lives sometimes, they felt free to pursue a life that helped them come alive, that helped them live authentically, that... Um, help them pursue their own well-being, or that which puts a light in their eyes. And so that, that was a, an astonishing finding for me to see how, even though they expected to die, they decided to live as well as they could in the time they had left. I mean, did and
1: they that, do anything else other than that? Did, I mean, other than yeah. simply say, well, I'm going to die, so I'm going to have a great time and have a you know, super run yeah. at it. What else did they do? They had to have done yeah. something.
0: So the four pillars of healing and well-being. Number one, many people made significant changes in their nutrition. Not everybody did, but lots of people did. And by that, I mean they eliminated processed foods, sugars, and refined flours. Uh, They ate a more plant-based diet. What's fascinating is I don't think we really understand, for example, how toxic sugar can really be to our system. Um, yeah, in,
1: well, uh, in big quantities you know. it sure can be yeah
0: i mean yeah. 100 years ago we on average ate four pounds of sugar a year now on average we tend to eat more like 154 pounds Jeez. of sugar a year and it's in everything and this these little sugar spicules these little sharp-edged cubes they course through our bloodstream and they cause microcuts in the endothelium as they go the endothelium is a very important protective barrier in our body but it's only one cell layer thick and if you are constantly cutting up the endothelium of your cardiovascular system, you're causing a repair response so you're consuming resources in your amazing immune system and needing to repair constantly and those, um, that constant effort to repair leaves scar tissue that then is the first Step towards atherosclerosis for example and so
1: hardening of the arteries right
0: exactly hardening of the arteries your your arteries over time with all that scar tissue become more fibrotic more stiff and less flexible and it's, that's the step that's it's the creation of inflammation
1: did they supplement themselves with the vitamins uh, and, and the, the
0: in some did not okay. and and so absolutely some people took supplements Not everybody did, but there definitely was a trend among a lot of people to become more plant-based. Not everybody did. I I especially told the story in Cured, for example, of people who went with more of a ketosis diet, which was heavy on protein and meat, but there was... It's like
1: the Atkins diet.
0: Yeah, like the Atkins diet. But what was really similar across all the different dietary approaches was there tended to be an an elimination of processed foods, sugars, and refined flours. And that was really a very common underlying commonality, even though the outer differences were very different about vegetarian versus meat eating and that sort of thing. It was really processed foods and sugars and refined flours was... Big piece of what was eliminated.
1: How uh, long, what was the time span, doctor, that we're talking about where they literally went from almost dying to being cured?
0: That varied across individuals. Some people got better very quickly through amazing experiences um, and but what I concluded was that whether it takes 10 days or 10 years, the process appears to be very similar. So nutrition was one, uh, was one of the pillars. Uh, Number two, people often healed their immune systems. And what's exciting is that as I was doing all this research, there's been a lot changing in the last 17 years in medicine. And even though it hasn't impacted clinical medicine yet, we now know on the basis of research that people don't have a diabetes problem, they don't have a cancer problem, a blood pressure problem, a heart problem, or an autoimmune problem. They have an inflammation problem. And so it see, as doctors, we're all trained in body parts. We, if you're a gastroenterologist, you train to study the gastrointestinal tract. If you're a cardiologist, you study the heart. If you're a psychiatrist, you study the mind. All of us specialize in body parts, but that's really prevented us from standing back and seeing the forest for the trees and realizing that it's not the body part that's getting diseased. It's the chronic inflammation that builds up in the body through our lifestyle. That's right. And then the weakest uh, link in your body is the one that first becomes ill. And that's a really different way of thinking. And it's very exciting to me that we're finally starting to wake up and realize, oh, it's not the particular body part that's a problem. It's the inflammation that builds up in the system and then precipitates an event, whether it's a... A very stressful event in your life that causes the heart problem, that's when it then becomes manifest.
1: Now for these hundred people who miraculously were saved, there were hundreds others who died of cancers and other diseases. Yes. What went wrong with them?
0: So if I'm understanding your question, I, I think are you asking what about those who made the same changes and still didn't get back? And
1: they didn't, they didn't save themselves.
0: That's correct. I think I, this is such a new science. I mean, there's nothing spontaneous, but spontaneous remission is one of the conclusions I made by the end of this. We call these healings spontaneous. Spontaneous means without cause. That's a very unscientific assumption to just believe that somebody got better spontaneously without a cause. It turns out there is a cause. We just assumed there was not. And so I one of my, Real efforts here is to bring science and doctors into a place of curiosity to look at these cases more closely. I just did an event earlier tonight with Jill Bolt Taylor, who uh, is a she was a neuroscientist at McLean, where I work. And back in the '90s, at age 37, she had a stroke that took out most of her left brain. Oh my God! She then had a full recovery over a period of eight years, and then she had a TED Talk that went viral. It was the first TED Talk that went viral. It's been seen millions and millions of times around the world. She was named by Time Magazine as one of the most important people of 2008, I believe. She has had Oprah, who has been uh, uh, doing a movie on her life. She's a really prominent, lovely lady, who's, and this is a neuroscientist who had a stroke. So she knew what was happening to her as,
1: as it was happening. Uh,
0: as it was happening. And so she documented this in a book called A Stroke of Insight. The book has been a bestseller for years. It translated into something like 28 or 30 uh, languages. And she said, when we first talked the first time, she said, I've been waiting for you for 22 years. She said, in 22 years, not a single doctor has ever asked me how I got better from my stroke. And this is in spite of who she is with her world-class fame and prominence. And so that's what I hear over and over again is that patients will say that their doctors at best will say, well, whatever you're doing, keep doing it because it's working. But they have not played a role in helping people understand what's possible for them. And they just are not trained to think it's possible for people to get Right. Right.
1: They, they don't know. This is foreign for them.
0: Exactly. It's a whole different way of thinking, because as doctors, we're trained to make make diagnoses and prescribe medications. But by and large, we don't study how people heal, which is an astonishing statement. But I think we're at the end of an era where the era has been about disease and medications, and now things are starting to change. And we are finally just now beginning to ask questions about how do people heal? and what does it mean to study how people heal? And the people I study are kind of the ultimate achievers of health and well-being, and so it just makes sense that, that we study not only healing, but especially study the ones who really beat the odds.
1: Did these hundred people, Jeffrey, do it all on their own, or did they have a support group of people who prayed for them and things like that?
0: Uh, many people had a support group. In fact, they, these people, by and large, took responsibility for their health and well-being. They, They didn't just do what the doctor said, they decided, I mean, many of these people believed they were going to die, but they also wanted to, some of them wanted to give it their best shot. So they would assemble their own team, they would ask for second opinions, they would do research to try to figure out what was the right path for them, what were the right decisions for them. They sometimes would uh, kind of hire their own team, you know, hire a coach or or who they felt might be helpful to them.
1: That's miraculous isn't it?
0: It really is.
1: When you started studying these hundred cases I mean were you shocked?
0: Oh absolutely I was shocked. I mean it's changed my life completely. I've I, I was a typical physician. I knew very little bit about nutrition. I look back now and realize I was given a lot of misinformation in med school about nutrition. Yep. We we were told, actually, that nutrition is not a problem in the United States or in westernized countries, that we have a problem of overnutrition, that we eat too much and that's overnutrition. Well, it turns out that there's a massive problem of malnutrition. We just don't, we are not taught what real nutrition is. We assume that processed foods and sugars are just part of the western diet, and that's part of it. But you know what's fascinating? That when you... When we diagnose cancer, say for with a PET scan or something, we inject radio labeled glucose, which is sugar, into the person's body and then see if there's any place in the body that sucks it up avidly because hmm. sugar is cancer's favorite food. And if there's a place in your body that is just sucking up the sugar, there's a good chance that's cancer.
1: That's interesting. Well,
0: and so, like Pablo in London, he knew that when he was diagnosed with brain cancer, with glioblastoma multiform, so he said, "Well, why don't I just try to starve this cancer to death?" And so he eliminated sugar radically, and now, years later, he's fine. And of course, doctors never would have expected that, that was a possibility.
1: Do they ever relapse? These people,
0: some do. Absolutely, it's it's a it's it's a it's a fascinating study uh, because there are absolutely people who would like to believe they got better but the evidence the medical evidence does not support that they desperately want to be better Uh, there are others who there's Jan I tell the story in the book she had end-stage lupus Um, doctors told her that if she went to a healing center in Brazil she would die on the way there most likely because it was in her brain at that Uh point it was in her kidneys It was in her heart she was failing rapidly she went to Brazil anyway. A doctor actually went with her, who he was so concerned. And uh, she did get better. She came off of medications that she had been on for decades. She came off, I think, off, off of something like 20 medications over a period of time, including the prednisone, which she had been on for decades. And she became a different person. Right? So when I met her, and then she showed me the photos of who she'd been, they didn't look like the same woman. And I, if they, if that those two people had been standing next to each other, who she was and who she was now, I would not have been able to recognize them. And she said when she returns home to Idaho, she would walk down the street and see people that she had known her entire life and they would not recognize her. That so shows. she got dramatically better. She went back to Idaho to a marriage that was toxic for her and a work environment that was... Not good for her. She became ill again. She relapsed, went back to Brazil, got better, and realized, oh, there's something about my marriage. and Her
1: job, everything.
0: All of that. And so she dramatically changed her life. And now, decades later, she's happy and healthy and an amazing lady. They're just her smile and the light in her eyes is just really amazing. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.